It's the last message of 2017. Normally, I reserve this for uh, one of my associates because I want them to have the honor of closing it out. But I, I, I took it back this year. Um, we've seen so much victory this year. So much victory. So much that God has rolled out in front of us, blessed us. And we, we've seen so much loss. So, so many good people, like Miss Becky. David, I, I, the fact that you're here. I, I saw that last night, and I said, man, what a better way to honor her than for you to be here worshiping this morning. And I know that was a collective family decision. But as we talked, to, to hear that in two years of suffering with this disease, she missed two, two church services. She would be honored by you today, worshiping the Lord. And so it, it's in the middle of so much victory, tasting so much loss, you look at the end of the year and you say, what is the one thing that remained constant? Jesus. Jesus is constant. We began 2017 with a message on the person and the power of Jesus. And this morning, I want to finish doing the same thing. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. And before you're like, oh my gosh, he's going to Revelation. Don't get scared, okay? Don't get scared. Revelations chapter 1, verse 9. And if you need a Bible, just raise your hands. Our ushers will try to get it to you. I know it's a packed house, but just be patient. If you need one, raise your hand. They'll get it to you. Revelation 1, starting in verse 9. I, John, your brother... And partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. Was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. That was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergam and to Theatra, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. And then I turned, and I see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire, his feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that 
are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. One of the most important things that guides the way I preach and, and what I preach comes from 2 Corinthians 3.18, and it says this, We all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. And so the idea is this, the gospel changes a person's character. The gospel, the word of God, changes a person's character. Growing people change, and It changes a person's character by the person gazing upon Jesus. When you read the gospel message, when you unfold the Bible, all you see from Genesis to Revelations is the name of Jesus. And when you gaze upon his glory, when you gaze upon his beauty, when you see the constructs of how everything fits together and points to the glorious and matchless name of Jesus Christ. And you look upon his person. You look upon his character. You look upon who he is, what he's done, what he stands for. It changes you. Beholding the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed, the scripture said, into his image. Some say seeing is believing. But the text that we just read says that seeing is becoming. Seeing is becoming. You become like what you behold. You become like what you behold. We become like what we treasure. And so the things that I preach on have purpose. And if I aim for us as a church to be transformed from one degree of glory to the other, to become more and more like Jesus, then the more I hold up Jesus again and again for us to behold and treasure, the more that happens according to the scripture. We need, listen church, we need to see Jesus. Jesus isn't somebody we know of. The Bible isn't a collective uh, group of stories that, that we should just talk about every once in a while. Jesus is somebody that we behold, that we treasure. And there are things about Christ that we need very much at the end of this year. We need the perseverance of Jesus in the face of suffering. We need that. We need the perseverance that is found in Christ in the times that we Suffer. We need the energy and strength of Christ to face the challenges that are sure to come in 2018. I, I don't know about you. I always, I don't ever say, man, I'm glad 2017 is over. No, everything in 2017 taught me something I need to go into 2018. Everything. But the challenges in 2018 are sure to come. And so I need the energy and strength of Christ to face it. I need, I need the wisdom of Christ to help through the complexities of life. We need the wisdom of Christ to help us through the complexities of ministry. We need the stability of Christ in the midst of rapid social, personal, political changes all around us. Our world is changing, isn't it? And we need 
the stability of Christ during those times that seem unstable to us. We need the assurance of his sovereign authority over a culture that seems to be sliding further and further away from his truth. We need to know that when everything around us looks bleak and dark, there is a God who's still on the throne and his name is Jesus. And he holds everything in his hand. So our needs here at the end of 2017 as a church and as a people, they're spiritual. Uh, We need to be the kind of people that radiate the beauty and the truth and the value of Christ. We need to be like, we need to be like light shining in the darkness, which means we need to behold Jesus. We need to see Jesus. And so I want us to take a year in look at Christ from the text that we just read, read Revelations 1. And I want us to look for a while with our gaze simply fixed on Jesus. John has been exiled uh, for his his serving Jesus, his proclaiming Jesus. He says as much, and and this is John's vision. And according to verse 9, John was exiled because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He had been sharing Christ, and that is why he is here. And so Jesus was so real and so precious to John that he would rather be exiled on a barren island than to not talk about Jesus. And so John had gazed at Jesus long enough to become like him in this way. He was obedient, even more than the comforts of life. When all of that was threatened to be taken from him, he said, no, give me Jesus. Give me the proclamation of his truth and his nature and his character. I'm going to talk about Jesus. And now he's on this island, and John gets another remarkable chance to look at Jesus. He gives him a vision. And he does this not just for John. He does this for the seven churches of Asia. He does this for us. He gives us this vision of his glory, of his power, of his nature, of his character, of who he is for us. In verse 10, John says that he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. That means uh, that one of these Sundays on this island, he was deeply in tune with the spirit of God so much that suddenly he heard behind him a voice that sounded like a trumpet. And the voice says, write down in this book what you see to the seven churches. This means that the vision John is about to get is not just for him, it's for us as well. And the point of writing it down was to transmit this experience so that we could experience it. He appears to John and he says to write this down. John got the vision, we get the book, right? But it's a picture of the vision. But this is not just because Christ wants to be distant and impersonal with us today it's because he wants to come to us and through us by his word he wants his word to matter God wants us to seek him in his word and to know him by his word and to gaze on him steadily through his word the, the primary way of gazing on Christ today is through his word. And that is the clear implication of these words in verse 11. Write in a book what you see, send it to the churches. Why else write in a book what he saw unless you wanted to transmit to the readers the same sort of experience? And that's the experience I want us to have this morning. So let's look at what John saw when Christ came and revealed himself. First thing I want you to see is that Jesus stands with the churches. Jesus stands with the churches. Verse 12, John turns to see whose voice was like a trumpet. And what he saw was seven golden lampstands and Christ in the middle of them. 
And then we, we have the end of the passage that we read where we get the interpretation that the seven lampstands are the churches. And so Jesus was standing in the midst of them. He's standing among the churches. He's not merely over the churches, which he is. He's not distant from the churches. He's in the middle of them. So when we just did that video and we talk about Jesus is here, any church that lifts up the glorious name of Jesus Christ and makes him first and foremost, guess what? Jesus is here. He's with the churches. He saw one in the middle of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man. And so here we can see how our reading is meant to be so much more than just remembering that something happened to John a long time ago. He begins with this vision by telling us, no, 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 no. You think you're just doing some vacation Bible schools. You think you're just going out and doing hope repair. You think you're just meeting the needs of a community through food pantry. You think you're just serving. You think you're just doing this. No, 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 no. I am here and you're among me. Okay, and you're doing this work by my power and by my might and by my strength and my glory is going to be shown among you because the presence of God is here. So it wasn't just something to be remembered that happened to John. He begins by telling us, listen, no, I'm in your midst. I'm not far away in time or space. Point North is one of his lampstands. Jesus is here this morning. He's eager to burn in us his, his light and the light of his presence. And he bids us to look at what John saw. I'm here. I'm among you. Jesus stands with the churches. You know what else we see in this passage? Jesus is all-powerful. Jesus is all-powerful. John saw, according to verse 13, one like the Son of Man. Son of Man was... Jesus' favorite title for himself when he was on this earth. You might think it refers merely to his humanity, a title of identifying with humanity and humility. But in, in fact, it was, it was probably more than that, a lot more than that, because of its use in Daniel chapter 7, which was prophetic. In Daniel, the term son of man or one like the son of man refers to a great ruler. Come on, church. Come on, church. He's trying to tell us something. And Daniel, he said, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days, God the Father, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom that all peoples, nations, languages should serve him. His, dominions, uh, his dominion was an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. It's Daniel talking about Jesus before he ever came. And he said, and then John sees this vision. He says, I see one like the son of man standing with the churches. One who comes not just in the sign of his humility, not just in the sign of his humanity, but one who comes as a ruler. One who's given dominion and glory and kingdom that all peoples, nations, languages should serve him. One whose kingdom will never be destroyed. So who's with you today, church? The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the all-powerful Jesus Christ. So who's with you. That's who is among 
us. We need to see that today. We need to see who's standing with us. We have to remember this. We have to cling to this assurance again and again when the adversities and circumstances of life come, because they will come. They will come. But Jesus is among the churches, and Jesus is all-powerful. There's nothing he can't do. There's nothing he can't do. You know what else we see? We see Jesus is our great high priest. We see that Jesus is our great high priest. The next thing John saw in verse 13 was that this son of man was clothed in a robe, reaching to his feet, girded across his breast with a golden girdle. And the word translated robe reaching to his feet is not used anywhere else in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, it always refers to the robe of the high priest. The gold band across his chest shows two, two things. The fact that it was high, not around his waist, or around, it, but it was around his chest. The fact that it was gold shows that he is a priest and that his priesthood, his priesthood is high and mighty like no other. Like no other. Jesus is not only the son of man from Daniel 7 who re receives dominion over all the nations. He's the final high priest who brings all the priestly work of the temple to an end. There's no more need for animal sacrifices where, with all their priestly labors, which, by the way, I'm thankful for, okay? I'm glad to be a pastor in the no animal sacrifices uh, age, right? I don't know if I could handle that. I see blood, I pass out. That's just how that goes. I'd be like, what happened to the pastor? I don't know. Um, but your sins are forgiven. Um, but this priest, he, he gave his only blood, his own blood, so that at the end of the age, sin is done away forever by the sacrifice of himself. And he stands among the lampstands, and he stands with us today, and he stands as one who has authority and everlasting dominion, and he stands as one who ultimately his forgiveness is decisive. When he said, it is finished, he meant it. Everything that was necessary for us to have forgiveness and life was secured in him. He's among the churches. He's all powerful. There's nothing he can't do. He is our great high priest who brings forgiveness. And then Jesus is our wisdom. He's our wisdom. John sees in verse 14 his head and his hair were white white as wool like snow David teases me all the time I'm starting to get a little gray he said one day you'll be as wise as me this is a crown of glory but but that's that's the sign that's the sign that there's it's white like snow because it's a picture of one who is wise one who is ancient of days one who is like no other. And I think John wants us to see something here about the age of Christ, the wisdom and the dignity that comes with an everlasting age, one who has no beginning, has no end, always has been. See, in American culture today, we, we respect the process of aging less and less, but not, not biblically. Biblically, it's a crown. It's a crown of wisdom, a crown of glory. A white head is a crown of glory. And that's what he saw in Jesus. 
who's the ancient of days with all wisdom of all eternity, all maturity, steadfastness, not weak, not weary in his age, but wisdom. And we need his wisdom to overcome the lives that we face and the challenges that we face by his grace. So, so he's among us, church. And he is all powerful. There's nothing he can't do. And he is our great high priest. We have forgiveness through him. We have wisdom through him. And, and then finally, you, you know what we have? Jesus is our strength. He's our strength. It says that he has eyes like a flame of fire. You, you, you put this picture together with the next thing that John saw at the end of verse 14. His eyes were like a flame of fire. The eyes of the Son of Man, they weren't a clouded eye of fading glory. They were the eyes of sharpest clarity. They, they missed nothing that happened in the universe. They were exploding with energy. Jesus' eyes were like a flaming fire. What we see is hair as white as snow, eyes like fire, wisdom, maturity, ancient of days, together with the energy and zeal of youth. And so when we look at Jesus at the end of 2017, we need to remember he is not tired. He is not burnt out. He is not fatigued. Nothing has caught him off guard. Nothing that we have dealt with is too big for him, is too great for him. He is able. He is greater. He is more than. And because when we look at him and we can see those things and we know that the more we behold him, the more we're becoming like him, that means that we have hope. That means that we can tie on to those scriptures where it says, in Christ, you are more than a conqueror, more than a conqueror. That means that you're not only going to win the victory. That means you're not only going to taste that victory, but you're already in that victory. That victory's already been secured for you. The deal is being more than a conqueror means the war, the effort has already been done. All you're doing by serving through the difficulty, by walking through the victories and the struggle, by having faithfulness to God no matter what you face, no matter what you deal with, all you're doing is running up the score on an enemy that's already been defeated and done. Done. You're stamping that flag of victory everywhere you go. That, that's why Paul could say with confidence, listen, I, I'm content in whatever circumstance I am faced with, in, whether in pl with plenty or in want, because I know, I know that I know that I know in whom I have believed and I've put my trust in him. He's our strength. He's our strength. He's not weary. Instead, his eyes are aflame like a flashing fire of inexhaustible energy and hope. And so when Jesus thinks about his plans for you, when he thinks about his plans for Point North Church, when he thinks about his plans for America, for the nations of the world in 2018, he isn't hesitant. He isn't wearied. He's not bored. His eyes are aflame with fire with passion. He, he relishes the, the, the opportunity to show us he is still God. He is still in control. There's so much more. There, there's so much more to this. Listen, I could preach for an hour. 
I won't, okay? But there's so much more. There's so much more to this than I've even, I've just glossed it. I, really, I, I've just shown you just a, just a picture of what John saw, just a piece of it. There's so much more even in the passage that we could dive into, always more that we could see of Jesus. There are bronze feet and a voice like the sound of many waters and a right hand, seven stars and a sharp sword coming out of his mouth and his face shining like the sun in full strength. There's John's reaction to Jesus and Jesus' reaction to John's reaction. I could go on and on this morning, but for the sake of time, I want to sum this up. I want to, I want to give you what you need to take away. You ready, church? Here's what you need to take, a, take away. Look at Jesus. Look at him. Look at him. Focus on him. Behold him. Seek him. Know him. Treasure him. Because he's here. He's here. He's, he's not caught off guard by your life circumstances, by the condition of our culture, of our world, by the things that you see that disturb you, that keep you up at night. He's not caught off guard. And and you know what Daniel said all those years before Jesus ever was born on this earth? He comes as one who is the son of man who stands and has dominion over all things and his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. It will not end. It will not end. So no matter what you face, now or in the new year, know this. There is a God who sits on his throne, who is all-powerful, who is full of strength, who is full of grace, mercy, forgiveness, kindness, benevolence, and he is Jesus, and he will never fail, and his kingdom will go on and on. Look to Jesus in the last days of 2017. And let hope fill you with confidence that 2017 hadn't been in vain. And that 2018 will be a God-ordained year of your life. A God-ordained year in history. And listen, I know I say it, and you guys might think I'm full of hype, but I choose to believe that it's hope. The best is always yet to come when it comes to Jesus and his kingdom. Always. The best is always yet to come. That's not just something I say. That's something I earnestly believe. It's on the wall in my office. It's on the wall in my office at home. You, you can ask my wife. It's something I say all the time. Even, even when I face difficulty, even when I walk through hardship, even when I deal with things like we've dealing with this week, I know the best is yet to come. I, I know in who Miss Peggy believed in. And I know if she could be here today, she'd tell you the same thing. Full of faith, full of hope, full of reassurance that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he is glorious. And he is our focus. Don't ever lose that, church. Amen.